thyroid disease is common in adults, but can also occur in children. Our guest today will discuss the signs and symptoms of childhood thyroid disease and approach to treatment. This is Pediatrics in Practice with Children's Mercy Kansas City. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner, Division Director of Neurology at Regional One Health in Memphis, Tennessee. I invite you to listen in as Dr. Francesco DeLuca, Division Director of Pediatric Endocrinology at Children's Mercy Kansas City, shares his experience with childhood thyroid disease. Welcome, Dr. DeLuca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. DeLuca, to start, could you describe some of the common thyroid diseases seen in children and their signs and symptoms? Sure. The two most common types of thyroid problems or thyroid dysfunctions in children and as well as actually in adults are one is hypothyroidism, which is also known as an underactive thyroid, and the second one is hyperthyroidism also known as an overactive thyroid. Now, the typical signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism are the presence of a goiter, and the goiter is an enlarged thyroid gland. And this is typically discovered when a pediatrician examines the child's neck. Then there are other informative signs and symptoms. One is fatigue. The fatigue could be a new onset fatigue or a worsened fatigue. A very important, obviously, especially in children, is a growth rate, a statural growth rate that is slowing down, is declining. That would be an alarming sign that is typically seen, actually, in hypothyroidism. Then there are symptoms that are rather consistent at any age in patients with hypothyroidism. One is constipation. Another one is dry skin. And then cold intolerance. Those children feel cold in an environment in their room where nobody else in the same family, in the same household, is feeling cold. That's relatively typical and is somewhat suggestive of hypothyroidism. Other signs, furthermore, are losing hair, doing badly or worse in school. The grades of the child are declining, are worsening over time. And then if the child is actually a teenage girl, with hypothyroidism, that girl may start experiencing abnormal periods, abnormal menstruation. Now, with respect to the opposite dysfunction, if you will, the hyperthyroidism, interestingly enough, still the child may present with a goiter. So the occurrence of a large or enlarged gland, thyroid gland, is common to both of these conditions, hypo and hyperthyroidism. But more typical signs of hyperthyroidism are unexplained weight loss. The child is growing height, and yet he doesn't gain any weight, or maybe he's losing weight. The child becomes more emotional, more hyperactive. Sometimes, actually, the child may develop depression-like mood and symptoms. Then again, the child with hyperthyroidism may experience palpitations. He feels his heart beating too fast. Or we describe cold intolerance being a sign of hypothyroidism. Conversely, heat intolerance is a sign of hyperthyroidism. And then, interestingly enough, these two opposite this thyroid dysfunction, again, can actually show similar or identical symptoms. We talked about hair loss of poor school grades in children with hypothyroidism. Interestingly enough, the same symptoms may be experienced in children with hyperthyroidism. All right, so I'm going to ask you to take a step back because there just seems to be a myriad of symptoms. 
that can occur when the thyroid doesn't function properly. So I'm going to ask what sounds like a simple question, but I suspect that the answer is not simple. And that is, what is the thyroid gland supposed to do? So the thyroid gland is, without a doubt, one of the most important endocrine glands in our body. Why? Because it produces, it secretes, releases two main hormones. One is called T4 and the other one is called T3. Now, the effects, the action of these hormones is critical for our well-being, for not only for the child's well-being, but actually these hormones are important at any age. But especially in children, they have two main functions. One is to assure, to support a normal brain development. And therefore, if a child develops hypothyroidism, so again, underactive thyroid, that child, if it's not treated adequately, timely, properly, the child may develop some symptoms, they are neurological symptoms. And if the child is untreated, the child with hypothyroidism is untreated, and that particular child is very young, that actually, the child may actually eventually develop developmental delays, which in some cases may be permanent. Now, the other main function of the thyroid hormones actually relates to growth. And when I talk about growth, I'm particularly referring to structural growth. Interestingly enough, having a normal thyroid function, secreting, releasing normal amounts of thyroid hormones is important, not necessarily for a normal weight gain, because the primary function of thyroid hormones is to support normal growth in height. And therefore, if the child has hypothyroidism, again, underactive thyroid, one very important, very common presenting scenario is, again, poor growth rate in height. I know in adults, you know, it, some days at the hospital, it seems like every other patient is taking a thyroid supplementation. But I think the numbers that I saw are something like 1 in 10 or 1 in 15 of the elderly require thyroid supplementation. How often is thyroid disease a problem in children? It's a relatively a common disorder. The challenge, if you will, is to define what is an appropriate diagnosis of a thyroid problem in a child. And when I say that, it is because sometimes, many may argue a little too often, a thyroid function test, so thyroid laboratory tests, are requested, are obtained when there is really no reason to obtain the thyroid test. And in fact, sometimes we may face some thyroid tests. They may be just off the normal range, slightly off the normal range, and yet they don't reflect a thyroid disease. And therefore, if just look at the levels of thyroid hormones in the blood, being just slightly abnormal, it doesn't necessarily mean that the child has a thyroid dysfunction. So what I'm trying to say is that in some cases, a significant number of children are found with maybe one abnormal thyroid test. And yet the true prevalence of a true thyroid dysfunction is much lower than that. Right. Well, I think that's kind of a law of clinical practice is that when you order a test that you didn't really need, it's likely to come back abnormal and then you don't know what to do with it. So what type of thyroid test should be ordered and when should it be ordered? So in my mind, there is no question that TSH is the, most, the single most sensitive test 
to diagnose one of the most common types of thyroid dysfunction, which is primary hypothyroidism. Ordering the TSH and dealing and phasing primary hypothyroidism results in the TSH being found high. So primary hypothyroidism it will mean having a high TSH. In contrast, if the child has hyperthyroidism, it will have a low TSH. So again, it's very informative, very useful. But even in these situations, the free T4 is going to be useful as well. Because, for instance, in hypothyroidism, along with a high TSH, we will find a low free T4. And again, with a low TSH in children with hyperthyroidism, we will obtain a high free T4. Now, when we obtain both tests, again, TSH and free T4, making the diagnosis of a clinical or overt thyroid condition is very likely, it's straightforward. On the other hand, if we obtain only one test, for instance, if we obtain only the TSH in some situations may be falsely normal. And I name one situation, which is central hypothyroidism. In that situation, the TSH, if we measure, if it's obtained as a single test, may be normal again. And unless we also measure a TSH, the free T4, which in central hypothyroidism will be low, again, we will miss that diagnosis. So the take-home message, if you will, is in case the pediatrician is suspicious of the child or a child having a thyroid disease, we definitely recommend obtaining both TSH and free T4 because either one obtained as an isolated test may eventually lead us to miss some diagnosis of thyroid dysfunction. When should the child be referred to an endocrinologist? Now, I'll try to review and discuss some possible scenario. Again, let's say that we obtain the TSH, one of the two thyroid tests I'm recommending, and the TSH is below the normal range. Then the free T4, which is the second test that we will obtain, may be abnormal as well. Either is high or low. Or a different scenario, the TSH is abnormal and the thyroid antibodies, which are markers of an autoimmune thyroid disease in this child, may be positive. Again, in all this scenario, abnormal TSH and abnormal free T4 and elevated thyroid antibodies, these are all scenarios, situations in which the child should be referred to a pediatric endocrinologist. Another scenario is the child maybe on a routine physical exam at the pediatrician's office is found with a goiter. The pediatrician is examining the neck, finds an enlarged thyroid. Again, this should be enough, sufficient finding to prompt a referral to a specialist. Now, one scenario that I think is really raises a red flag, so prompts an urgent referral, is when the TSH is frankly suppressed, is not just low, is truly virtually undetectable in the blood, and at the same time, the second test, again, the 3T4, is high. This combination of abnormal findings clearly suggests hyperthyroidism, and that is maybe a true urgent referral. Let's say there is an opposite scenario. The TSH is high. But the TSH is high, it really depends how high is the TSH to determine the need to refer this patient, this child, to a pediatric endocrinologist. Evidence indicates if the TSH is greater than 10, and normally 
is up to four. When I say four or ten, I'm referring to 10 milliunit per liter. This is the units to measure the concentration of TSH in the blood. Again, if the TSH is greater than 10, the child, without any doubt, should be referred to an endocrinologist because that level of TSH clearly suggests the likelihood of hypothyroidism. Now, it is a little bit more complex if the TSH is higher than the normal range, but is below 10. So let's say it's between 5 and 10, or is slightly high. But in that case, again, we need to check the free T4. And if the free T4 is normal, and by the way, it's often the case, with a slightly high TSH, actually, we recommend the pediatrician to repeat the same test, maybe a month later. Why? Because it's been shown, and there is plenty of medical literature published in recent years, that has shown that when the TSH is only slightly high and the free T4 is normal, on repeat lab evaluation, the TSH, about 70% of the times, comes back normal. So again, repeating before referring the child, repeating the labs just a few weeks after the initial evaluation, when the TSH is just slightly high, may prevent an unnecessary referral. Well, there definitely seems to be an art to diagnosing uh, thyroid disease. Given that the long list of symptoms that children might have due to hypo or hyperthyroidism, what important takeaways would you like pediatricians to know about diagnosing thyroid disease? I think that there are a few important points that probably is, I think, very useful to bear in mind. One is as I just discussed, the TSH as a thyroid test should always be measured with a concomitant measurement of the free T4 and never as an isolated test because, again, as I said, this may actually lead to missing some diagnosis of true thyroid dysfunction or overdiagnosis. A child who is otherwise actually healthy happen to have only an isolated, slightly high TSH, which again, very often doesn't reflect a thyroid disease. The second point I'd like to make is that the thyroid function test, again, this TSH and the free T4, should be measured only when the primary care physician, when the pediatrician is truly suspicious of the occurrence of a thyroid disease. In other words, when the child has some signs some symptoms of those signs and symptoms we discussed earlier that are typical of hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, or maybe because, again, the pediatrician found a goiter on physical examination. So in those situations, when there is a suspicion of a possible or likely thyroid problem, it clearly makes sense. It's advisable to obtain, to measure free T4 and TSH. Otherwise, again, it may actually be unhelpful. And lastly, a slightly elevated TSH with a normal free T4 in an otherwise asymptomatic child. The child is otherwise healthy. Well, there are no other concerns. Again, a slightly high TSH and normal free T4 are most often associated with a normal thyroid function. Thanks, Dr. DeLuca, for a very informative discussion. Thank you very much. This has been Pediatrics in Practice with Children's Mercy Kansas City. To refer your patient or for more information, please visit childrensmercy.org to connect with one of our providers. 
please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Children's Mercy podcasts. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. Thanks for listening.